Everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Tunnel Vision. This is the little segment we call Lunch with a Trojan. Started this during the quarantine. We've had a bunch of different people associated with USC football on the show. And we're going to have our first USC, current USC coach on the show. We have uh, USC's new defensive line coach, Vic Saoto. Uh, Vic, thanks uh, so much for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome, man. I've, um, I was actually thinking there was lunch involved with this Lunch with a Trojan. Oh, uh, Next time we got to get some, you got to get some food sent over here. That is like a really good point. Like I was thinking about that when we first started the concept. Cause we were like, ah, let's do it at lunchtime and maybe we'll like have pizza delivered or something. So I don't know what, what's your, what's your lunch of choice? We'll have to, we'll have to send something over there. Oh, everything. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not picky. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, thanks uh, so much for doing this. Uh, hopefully everyone continue. We're doing this live on, uh, YouTube, we're not going to do Periscope or uh, Facebook, and obviously Shotgun and Keely aren't here. These are like our little one-on-one -on -one interviews, and we've had guys like you know Matt Leinart on and stuff, and that's been fun. And uh, you know, we wanted to get kind of different people associated with USC, and of course, people that are working with the team right now. I think you're the newest member of the staff, just uh, joining in in February. Uh, how's the transition from Virginia, where you were, to uh, back to Southern California been for you? Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, we actually got into our place right before all the quarantine stuff happened. So um, we were actually like dropped off all the boxes at our place and then, you know, we're told to, to stay at home. So we lucked out. We got in right in time and um, yeah, we're feeling at home. That was, uh, was that the plan the whole time? Because sometimes we see coaches will live at a hotel for the first year or something, kind of figuring things out, especially you got five kids at home. That's a big move to move all of them. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, my wife and I, we've made a lot of moves um, throughout, you know, playing the NFL and, and coaching. And so we've always had this thing. It's kind of our motto. We just we stick together. So, um, you know, pulling kids in and out of and putting them in the schools, it's kind of just what we do. You know, we, we stay together. And so I was out here for um, a month at the USC hotel. And then uh, once we found a place and everybody else came. Yeah, so you find a place, and then whack, the quarantine kind of hits. How, how how's, the, how's the family been dealing with? I mean, I know your wife, you said your wife's like a super scheduler and stuff, but if you're like doing homeschooling stuff and everything, you have to be with five kids at home and you working so hard with the with the Trojans. Yeah, believe it or not, the hardest uh, kids are the ones that don't have anything to do. So our one-year-old and three-year-old that have nothing to do just walk around and like, close laptops and push iPads while, while the other kids are working. And I mean, it starts these little battles that go out through the day, but um, it's been awesome. We've been able to, you know, go down and walk down to the beach um, when it was open. And then, um, you know, out here in uh, Manhattan Beach, just walking around the neighborhoods and um, getting our, I'm the PE coach. Oh, okay. The PE teacher. Oh. 
so we do a lot of running and sprints and, and uh, games, so to speak. So, yeah. Interesting. So the PE coach, um, how much time does that take up during your week? Is your wife, uh, um, you know, kind of telling you when you need to do things and what's scheduled and things like that? Yeah, it's kind of uh, open-ended. You know, it's just uh, usually right before a meal or before bedtime, just get them as exhausted as possible so they can just, uh, you know, do what they're supposed to do. So uh, throughout the week, I mean, in between calls and, and meetings and, uh, you know, I, I'd say it's, I don't know, probably an hour and a half a day working out, running with them. Um, maybe I was going to save this for later, but you talked about working out with them. Everyone's trying to do their workouts in the quarantine. I don't know if uh, Aaron Osmus gave you this recommendation, but this was a pretty funny video uh, with you taking all five of your kids different exercises and stuff. They seem to do pretty well on uh, Twitter and stuff. What what was the inspiration behind this? And is this, is this a common thing in your house? Yeah, we do a lot of we do a lot of fun stuff. My um... My daughters are really into TikTok, and um, so we've been trying to do dances or whatever. And Double uh, A, you know, Coach Osmus asked us to, you know, kind of give a, a video, a little quick, short, you know, funny or inspirational thing to, to send to the team. And so I recorded this and sent it to the team. And then Spencer Harris, uh, director of recruiting, was like, "Dude, you got to send it, put that out on Twitter." And so I, I just threw it out on Twitter, and yeah, the rest is history. But disclaimer: there, there were a bunch of pillows and couch cushions okay. where they were falling off. So was, yeah, so they popped back up, and we we actually did it a few times after that just for fun. Okay, so it wasn't like throwing them to a hardwood floor or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't hardwood floor. The uh, I mean, the great part is, that, I mean, you're obviously a big guy, and just the ease of which you were lifting the kids, but. The, the nonchalance of throwing, like throwing them to the side, just like, oh, I'm done with that weight, throw it off. It was just kind of funny. It just, I think that's what it made it, what part of the why it works so well. Yeah. Well, we do a lot of wrestling. Yeah, we call it wrestling, but it's a lot of just dad throwing the kids around because they love, you know, especially the boys, they're crazy. Um, so we do a lot of fake tackling and, and you know, roughhousing. So they enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, you yeah. grew, you grew up, uh, Carlsbad, you know, Southern California guy, uh, end up, you know, you go to school at BYU, bounced around the NFL for a while and, you know, land with Bronco Mendenhall and in, in, in Virginia for the last four years or so, uh, coming back to Southern California, does this sort of feel like home or is it different? You know, LA versus San Diego, is this kind of like a home for you? Yeah, it's uh, definitely feels like home. It's, uh... You know, been a long time coming, uh, 15 years to get back to California and uh, being able to come back and see my family and and aunts and uncles and um, obviously not right now, but uh, the opportunity to see them in the future has been, you know, one of those things that we really, really wanted to do as a family at some point. And uh, to be at USC, you know, is a dream come true. So the, the, the path to get to USC, uh, you haven't been a coach, you know, full-time coach that long three seasons uh, with Bronco Mendenhall and you were a, an intern and a, and, a, and a GA and stuff, but what what would you think you learned those first uh, three years as being a full-time defensive line coach that you'll bring uh, to USC in Los Angeles? But I think a lot of it has to do with the, the experience that I had in, in the NFL. And so, you know, getting cut in the NFL sucks, 
obviously getting fired is never good. Um, but then going to another organization and understanding how different coaches coach and uh, philosophies in uh, in defense and how to run three fours and four threes and um, just being able to soak up a ton of information in, in that short period of time in the NFL has really directed how and influenced how I coach our guys. And um, I'm not I'm never going to coach them to uh, you know collegiate standard. It's going to be to the standard of the league. And I think that's the biggest thing I took away from being in the NFL and then playing or uh, coaching at uh, Virginia is that everybody wants to be great. And if you hold them to a great standard and they they understand that you've gone through the fire, um, then their potential and reality, it starts to shrink and they start to get closer and closer and closer to what they can be. And uh, fast forward to now being at USC and uh, being in LA and, and seeing the guys that we have, there's a lot of potential. Um, a lot of guys have a lot of potential. And um, first things first was earning their trust and and credibility, so to speak, because I am young. Um, but I've done a lot of things that a lot of coaches haven't done. And I've been a lot around a lot of places all over the country um, and understand, uh, you know, what at the end of the day, what it really needs to happen as a defensive lineman. And, and what the main goal is and, and then how to get there. You know, a lot of guys know about what they want in, in the league, but then teaching them how to get there and holding them to that standard every day, you know, is something that I take pride in. Um, and whether it's meetings or um, even meals, like I want those boys to sit together and, and compete and eat and weigh in <laughs> and like everything. I want them to compete um, because at the end of the day, when they do reach the next level, the next level of football, everything they do is 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 graded and, and competitive. And I mean, uh, I was telling, I think it was Peely, uh, telling Brandon a couple of days ago that in the NFL, every Tuesday, the the roster turns. You know, everybody thinks right at the end of at the end of August, you make the fifty three man roster, it's done. But really, the roster is churning over and over and over and over again. And you can walk out of the building and a dude's walking into the building that looks just like you, same size and everything, going right through your locker, you know. So um, just having them get a broader picture of, you know, what I'm teaching now is not just for L.A. or for the Pac-12 or for, you know, playing Alabama. It's, it's for the rest of their life in this game. Um, you, you, you know, you talk about the few, you know, different spots you've been, you bounced around the NFL, but you got to play for some legendary defensive exactly. coaches like Dick LeBeau, like have that, has that experience, you know, getting little bits from, you know, you, I think you talk about ha having like six different playbooks in your four years in the NFL, but yeah. has that experience kind of helped you become a better defensive line coach? Totally. Um, you know, first being with capers, uh, then, uh, going over with Todd Bowles. And then there's Dick LeBeau and Rob Ryan, and, um, Jason Tarver. So understanding, you know, the broad scheme of what um, different defenses and what different coordinators want, I think that's some, one of my strong suits is understanding what is exactly needed for this defense. Um, and then going to defensive line, being around, you know, amazing defensive linemen and seeing how they work, but then uh, also being around coaches and, and hearing, you know, how it's put um, in meetings and how it's emphasizing walkthroughs and a practice and then game time. So I took all those um, 
you know, experiences in the NFL and try and pour it into our guys so they understand uh, the standard that needs to be met every day. The uh, So a lot of NFL influences, but also your college coach when you were at BYU right. was Bronco Mendenhall. Then you end up coaching for him too. Um, right. How has that kind of impacted your your, your coaching career, just knowing, you know, basically what he was teaching you when you were in college were the kind of things he's expecting you to teach the, you know, the new crop of college students when he was at, you know, BYU and then Virginia. Yeah. So you kind of take um, bits and pieces from, from everybody that you meet. And I, I tell these guys, even recruits, I tell them, look, you go to on a visit, make sure you leave with something. Uh, but I tell my guys, you know, uh, I've, I've been around and had these experiences, but you know, with coach Mendenhall, just the length of our relationship and, and it being uh, one where I played for him, played in the NFL and, and leaned on him for advice and then was able to coach for him. Uh, I think one of the biggest things I've took, taken from him is um, obviously a, a standard of how you do things, but then um, he's very analytical and data-based. So uh, research, 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 and um, especially opponent scouting, watching game after game after game, going back three, four, five years of someone's coaching uh, tree or, or, or play calling, you know, something that I realized as a young coach that um, you've got to do your homework and you've got to go further and deeper until you fully understand. And, then, and, and it doesn't really have a time limit, you know, like Monday we'll watch three or four games. You no, know, it's, it's Sunday or Saturday after the game. You put that game to bed, and then you go as long as it takes for you to understand what the opponent is trying to do and and how the offensive coordinator is trying to attack potentially attack our defense. So, um, just hard work and um, research, I think, is is a lot of what I've taken from Coach Mendenhall. The uh, so three years there, defensive line coach at Virginia. Yeah. And then the, so I thought the Tuesday before spring football, when all of you guys kind of came through the car wash, I don't know if you enjoyed that, but I thought that was one of the best things that you guys had done. We get to meet all the new, you know, assistant coaches and all of you guys had really interesting stories. And maybe one of the more interesting ones was your like Super Bowl experience, uh, reaching out to, to Toronto, Orlando, like during the, the Super Bowl, you know, kind of yeah. how you ended up here. I don't know if you want to recap that a little bit and how, if that was something you were looking to do, were you looking to kind of get out and get back to the West Coast? Um, my wife and I had always, you know, would always look and check up on what was happening on the West Coast. Um, but as soon as I saw that there was an opportunity here at USC, I uh, saw that, looked up, you know, who the D coordinator was, and it was Coach Orlando. And um, I actually, back to researching, uh, you know, watched a lot of Houston tape and Texas tape. Uh, to see what they were doing schematically, uh, because he's on the on the forefront of you know this three four attacking style type defense, um, and so I just followed him, and then he sent me a message, uh, DM me, and and said so we'll talk after the game, and then the rest is history. So yeah, it's kind of kind of happened really really fast, and uh, I kind of yeah, I. May or may not have yelled Kobe when I followed him. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just shoot my shot. But, uh, nice. Yeah, it is, it, it is what it is. We're here now. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, hopefully it's been uh, good for you so far. We had a Twitter question I'll throw up here for you from Mark. 
Um, What percentage uh, do you anticipate playing with three down linemen versus four down linemen this year? So I think it goes back to, you know, how we can attack the offense. And I think game to game, it's going to be different. Uh, I know Coach Orlando has said sometimes it's been 60-40, four down. Sometimes it's been 60-43 down. Um, At the end of the day, at the end of the season. uh, So it really just depends on, uh, you know, how best to get after the offense that we're facing. Um, There's been a lot of talk about Drake Jackson. He's one of your star players there, maybe playing outside linebacker in college. Um, Is that going to be a battle between you and Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator who coaches the linebackers, to, to keep him in that defensive line room? No, it's not really bad. I think uh, the best thing about our staff is we all really like each other and and we're close. And it's it's uh, you know it's not this is my guy, this is your guy. You know we're all Trojans. So uh, going into meeting with Drake, I wanted him to understand that look, you you have this ability, and we're going to find the best way you know to showcase that ability every Saturday. So whether it's outside backer, whether it's D line. Whatever it is, he he needs to understand the defense as a whole. So who better to learn from than the D coordinator? Um, so, yeah, we're going to work on, you know, special things with him. Um, obviously, our strengths with Coach Orlando, you know, the, the big grand scheme of things. And then pass rush I have a passion for. So we'll do a lot of pass rush stuff together um, and get after the quarterback. Um, you did play as an edge, edge rusher and defensive lineman. Uh, if Jackson does transition between the two, what would be the, you know, what's the challenge going from like more of a D end to uh, kind of a rush outside linebacker position? Yeah, I think for anybody, uh, the quality reps, quality of reps that you get during practice, I think are huge. So uh, making sure that we don't, overload them in one thing and, and then ask him to do something else on Saturday. I think that's the biggest deal for us is to make sure that he's getting um, exactly what he needs and the amount of reps he needs at each position, uh, depending on the week. So um, understanding and, and learning and knowing the football, I think Drake, you know, has a passion for getting better. And uh, he has a really, really uh, smart, um, you know, IQ as far as defensive line play and, you know, defensive front play, which is attributed to his dad. You know, I think the Drake is the right guy to be able to go outside backer, defensive line, because he just knows so much about front play. Yeah, we actually had him on uh, on Monday. Well, we had, I think we put it up uh, yesterday. We had yeah. Drake and uh, Dennis on, and then a prospect, which, and just to let people know, if you're putting in questions, we'll talk some recruiting stuff. <laughs> But he cannot talk about specifics as far as any unsigned prospects. You can't mention that. Yeah. So he can talk about philosophies. But right. I think the first question we had was something about, uh, you know, a player you probably can guess who it would be. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's not allowed to talk about anyone that's not signed. Um, you can talk about people that right. are signed, uh, but not that. Um, Todd Orlando ran a lot of, like, three-man fronts, uh, like hybrid kind of fronts at at Texas. Um, for you, like, what do you think the defensive ends and nose guards would look like uh, in that defense, like kind of physically, what what are you looking for? And do you have those kind of guys now, or is that something you have to address for recruiting, you know, down the road? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So uh, ideally, right, um, you look at uh, J2 Fele, you look at a Marlin, 
you know, those are the guys that we're really trying to look for as body types. You know, the 6'3", six, 6'4", six, you know, 280 to, to 305 guy um, that can play on the inside. And then on the outside, you know, you've got uh, Caleb and, and uh, Connor um, and Jake. Like, I, I'd ideally, I'd like a bunch of Jake Lichtensteins, how, how he looks. You know, he's flexing on the beach. Like, that dude looks huge. Um, but just those type of bodies that can, can do everything. And I, I don't really teach guys, you know, you're playing this one specific position. I teach them as a group, and that's how I've always taught, just because um, you never know when it, what happens with injuries. But also the ability for them to play along the defensive line is a gift that I tell them, look, you'll be able to show that I've played a five technique, I've played a three technique, I've played a one, I've, I've shaved it on the center. Um, and all that film, you know, to get you to – to the next level. So in long story short, it's, it's the tall, longer, you know, thicker bodies, uh, at end. Um, and then the more Jay to Marlon to below two bodies inside. All right. So you got the guys you kind of want. Um, uh, yeah. Byron just said fight on uh, to you coach. Soto. thanks for that. Byron. I'll put that picture back up there. He's got, he gave you the fight on there. Uh, you mentioned Jacob. Liskenstein. So this was, I think you retweeted this from his Twitter. Um, <laughs> like he's on a pier or something down in Florida. Just those look like hundred pound dumbbells or something. I don't know what, what's going on here, coach. I have no idea. I have no idea. We actually, that was a topic of, uh, uh, we were, we were actually making fun of him in our, in our uh, D line meeting on Tuesday night. So yeah, I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, but what I do know is his mom is big into, into fitness and he has a dream one day to, you know, own a gym. So obviously you look at him like that's a passion of his. And so getting him back here, keeping him healthy and um, teaching him all everything, all the techniques and whatnot were what I was really, really looking forward to this spring. Um, and so that'll just have to wait. The, uh, you, I mean, we talked about the workouts. We kind of joked about you lifting your kids and you see, you know, Jacob Lichtenstein there on the pier, you know, doing these crazy curls or whatever. But every player you have in your group is going to have a different situation at home. You're a big defensive lineman. And if you don't have any weights at home and you're doing air squats or whatever you got to do, I mean, how have you been kind of working with them on things that they can do and, and you know, working with Aaron Osmus trying to get these customized plans going where they don't have that centralized training area like you would if you were on campus right i think the greatest thing about our strength staff with the double is that he understands and knows each one of these guys and knows their situation and so we've been able to work together to make sure they're getting what they need to um physically as far as lifting but then also fitness wise uh i think back to the lockout that happened uh, my rookie year so i went undrafted and um, didn't know if I was going to get signed or not, but it was during the lockout. Uh, and everything that I heard from all my buddies that were playing in the league was, you know, if, if anything, just come in and shape. You know, and we'll have time to, to get our bodies ready and prepare for the season. But being in shape, you know, or get, being out of shape is something that takes more time. So on my end, it's been make sure you're getting your fitness in, make sure you're getting your heart rate up every day. Make sure, you know, you're taking yourself to an uncomfortable point every single day uh, because we only had one practice, but 
from what the guys have said, they, it was the hardest one they've ever had. So oh. we, didn't, we didn't even have pads on. And uh, I'm just trying to emphasize and, and let them know if that's at home in practice, imagine what full pads is, you know, in, in August, right? Yeah. Well, you guys were all talking about, like, the violence and physicality. And right. to be fair, a lot of the USC fans, they felt that that was, you know, been lacking uh, for, you know, I guess you could say for, you know, but only having that one spring practice where there weren't any pads on, um, was there a way that you could try to, you know, instill in them like, hey, this is the way these are going to be. When the pads come on, these are going to be really physical practices. Oh, absolutely. I think regardless if you have pads on or not, there's a lot of ways to be physical and violent and um, especially with handwork and um, striking. You know, we are allowed to strike bags finally and so being able to even strike those uh, but then competitive things where they're hitting each other and, and a lot of defensive line play you know you don't really need um, shoulder pads to be a great defensive lineman because you, you should never be taking anything on with your shoulder so hand work and hand placement and extension you know all those things that are uh, fundamentals of defensive line play we did and uh, at a high level and were competitive and so uh, just reiterating to them, look, that's a helmet practice. Wait till the shoulder pads come on. Wait till we get full pads and we can actually start hitting the offense. And um, everything will just jump up. So being in shape and, and, and being ready, you know, is, is for, like the number one thing we're talking about in our meetings. Yeah, that's interesting. It was the hardest practice they've had. That's, uh, that fans are like that. They definitely want to see that. Uh, Mark had a bit of a technical question. Uh, yeah. Previous scheme was a one-gap scheme. Will your players be asked to two-gap more in this new scheme? And if so, how hard is it for defensive linemen to learn uh, the new those new techniques? Right. So yeah, we'll be we'll be two-gapping some. Um, we'll be in one-gap some. But uh, the way I teach them, and and the best way that I learned, you know, bouncing around all these different systems in the NFL was first explaining what the offense can do to them when they're in this alignment. And then once you take away all the possibilities, there's really, you know, only a short amount of things that you have to really know. Um, then it comes down to technique and fundamentals. So um, making sure they can compartmentalize three down and four down, you know, is key. And then understanding how they're going to be attacked just gives them confidence on game day. Um, I want to shift over to uh, the recruiting aspect. We kind of talked about that a little bit. What's, um, you know, you've been your philosophy, I guess, as far as recruiting goes. We've seen, you know, you guys be very active on social media. There's been, you know, guys you can't talk about, but there's been new commitments right. and stuff. Uh, you know, it seems like a resurgent of your recruiting effort, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Like, I kind of, where did you learn how to recruit and what's been, what's your, your main philosophy, I guess, for recruiting? Right. So um, the first part, I just, I feel like in anything, you know, if you can trust the person that you're talking to, then you'll do whatever, you know, needs to be done. And so first and foremost is building that trust and, and credibility with, you know, our recruits and just building a great relationship. Um, the second thing is, you know, if, if I was being recruited, I would want to know, can this guy get me to where I want to go? And every player in America wants to go to the NFL and being able to tell those guys, look, I just left the NFL. Well, now it's a lot longer ago, but 
you know, there's there's guys that are were my teammates that are still playing in the NFL that I've been there and I know what it's what it takes and and, and what's going to happen when you get there, and um, and that's just been my philosophy is is being straight up and upfront and and honest with them and just being myself. Like I'm a I'm a I'm a happy guy off the field. I like uh, you know joking around and having a good time. Um, and then when it's time to get to work, it's time to get to work. You know, we're going to go out there and we're going to go do our job to the best of our ability. So recruiting wise, just, just creating a relationship with, with, you know, the recruit and, um, and just showing that, you know, this place has unbelievable value. You know, USC has unbelievable value by itself. Right. Uh, and then you add the opportunity to come in here because of the guys that are leaving this, that, that are leaving my room, there's a huge opportunity for somebody to come in and get reps. You know, whoever we sign is going to get reps because just because of attrition. So just allowing them to, you know, wrap their minds around, um, you know, an opportunity like, you know, six months from now, I'm stepping out on into the Coliseum and, you know, strapping it up and getting out there and playing. Uh, that's been, you know, the biggest thing in this offseason with recruits is let is helping them understand, you know, this stuff is real, even though we can't have uh, these tours and can't have them on campus, but this stuff is real. Like yeah. my room is real. You're going to show up and you're going to put that, that those shoulder pads on and that helmet on and run out into the Coliseum and play. Like that's, that's been my message this off season. We talked about that Tuesday, you know, car wash of all the interviews and yeah. hearing a guy like Dante Williams, who was named, you know, Pac-12 recruiter of the year, talk about if you're up 23 hours a day, you need to be recruiting all 23 hours. You know, a guy like Craig Niver just has like this energy and uh, just he's just an outgoing guy. And you can just tell like, oh, those guys are going to be good recruiters. It's having those guys in the meeting rooms helped you kind of, you know, be a better recruiter as well. Like guys, that have been, you know, they've been doing it a little bit longer. Oh, absolutely. And uh I never, you know, look at somebody and regardless of their circumstance, you know, and not try to take something from them. And I've been able to have conversations with those guys and everybody on the staff and um, really take, you know, what could help me. Because, again, if I'm trying to, you know, act like Dante or act like Craig, you know, obviously everybody's going to see right through that. And so taking what they do and, and taking what I do and, and things that I really like from them, yeah, I learned as much as I can from each one of those guys. Everybody in the building, really. Like, I'm, I'm just a sponge. What's the uh, recruiting pitch like? Like, assume I'm, like, a bigger, stronger, faster guy than I am right now. Like, if, if I'm, you know, on a, you might be on a Zoom call with a prospect. Can you do those now? Can you do the Zoom calls? Can you do them? Yeah, yeah. So it's treated like a phone call. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, what's the, you know, I don't want to put you on the spot, but, what like, what are some of the, high points or whatever of your, your pitch to, to guys that maybe are out of state and haven't really been to see USC or don't, you know, they didn't grow up like a big USC fan or something like that. Right. So if they're out of state, I tell them, look, LeBron came here. <laughs> Kawhi won a title and came here without a team. <laughs> right. And LeBron, LeBron basically redshirted the year before he got AD <laughs> because he understood what this place is, you know, um, and the combination of, faith, family, and football, you know, back to what Coach Elton says, uh, we're a faith-based organization um, based off our head coach, and uh, you'll never have to do anything on Sundays. 
Um, next, we're a family. You talk about Trojan family. I have friends that are Trojans that know everybody around this area and and still come to games and actually reached out to me and that, that were congratulating me when I got here. Um, and then football. I mean, we have the most draft picks ever in college football. And we live in the, the biggest media market in college football. Um, that this place is just, there's so much value to this place. And then when you add our defensive coaching staff and our offensive coaching staff, our head coach, you know, we're just pouring gas on something that's already burning. And yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That's good. All right. I'm sold. Uh, the, I mean, the landscape of college football, you know, we've heard this week from the NCAA about the name, image, and likeness stuff. Right. Um, I've seen different, you know, sports, com- I think Colin Coward was talking about this. It'd probably be a big advantage for the Pac-12 having like the Googles and Apples and some of the big technology companies here or Hollywood in Los Angeles. I mean, this is obviously way early, but right. is that something you can envision like, well, that's something we could use in our recruiting pitches, having all this kind of stuff out here? Oh, absolutely. A lot of these guys, too, now with the quarantine, they've um, gotten like Instagram savvy and, and go Instagram live and they, you know, start hosting, you know, these little live chats. And, and I'm telling them, look, you want you like doing that. Imagine getting paid for that or having something that you can get paid for in the biggest media market in the world. So uh, obviously for us, that is a huge, huge tool and a huge recruiting pitch for us just because you know, LA is unlike any other place in college football. Yeah. Um, it'd be interesting. You're talking about, you know, you're Norman, Oklahoma, or you're in Los Angeles. Is there a bigger market? I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I, but that obviously that's, it'll be next year or something, but that's something I guess you got to look forward to or think about. Um, uh, Oscar wants to know where you got your hat. So I just put that up there. Is that like a bookstore? Oh, thing? I've, I've heard a lot about, uh, this hat. Um, I just got it in my locker to be honest. <laughs> It was just it was just in my locker and and I love like flat brim snapback hats so uh, I've heard a lot of a lot of uh, you know fans want to know where to get this hat I would defer that to Spencer Harris because this is not my realm of expertise but yeah I love this hat yeah it's my favorite hat do you just get like wherever you go like a whole bunch of gear and then what do you do like you leave Virginia like do you donate the gear do you keep the gear like what do you what do you do for all that. Oh, uh, yeah. I give it to coaches' families. You know, I just, um, a lot of the coaches that were staying just left a, a bunch of stuff for the guys back there. And then I have a ton of family. So uh, there are no, no shortage of bodies to wear anything. <laughs> yeah. So there's cousins running around with BYU gear from a while back. And, uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Lots of Virginia stuff. Um, yeah. Back of the recruiting, we had a question from Justin. Uh, do you have a specific region to recruit, or do you have a list of specific players to recruit? Uh, get yeah. after it. Outwork the competition from Justin. Yeah, so I have Utah, um, I have San Diego, and Hawaii. Okay, and then is it mostly by region or position, or do you, you kind of do a little bit of both? Yeah, a little of both. You know, there's a, there's a regional coach, um, you know, where you have, and, and you're more of interacting with the high school coaches. Okay. And then positionally, obviously, your position, you recruit wherever they are. Um, you only got that one spring practice. Right. Did you get to learn something, you know, from watching it back? Uh, I talked to, to Drake, uh, you know, Drake Jack, that he said he'd watched it like 50 times or something. Um, did you, what did, 
what did you learn from that? And you kind of watch it over and over just to try to get whatever you can out of it. Squeeze the life out of that one practice you guys got. Right. Um, nothing out of the norm, uh, really. Uh, we went over these calls and went over, you know, everything we were installing. And then we still had, you know, a ton of mess ups. So it's kind of just, you know, how football is um, getting more reps. Uh, but I, I would say, yeah, we actually had a lot more individual time. Uh, probably one thing that was different uh, than I'm used to. So we got a lot of work done one on one with the D line and then, you know, with some of the pass rushers. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing from watching it over and over again is we ended up having, uh, me ended up having a lot of time. The uh, You mentioned before it's, there's going to be a lot of openings. There's going to be playing time because it's a very veteran group. You got guys like, you know, uh, Drake and Jay Tefele and Marlon. Uh, they'll dominate the headlines. But a guy like a Brandon Peely, right. what do you think of him? Like is, is someone that he's got that size and athleticism that just doesn't grow on trees. He's got a lot of potential, it seems. Right. And so we go back to the potential and reality conversation. And this is something that we've had over and over in our defensive line meetings is that if you want to reach your potential, man, it's going to take hard work and trust and violence, you know, out there on the football field. So Brandon, you know, he's got everything that you want for in the defensive lineman, especially at the next level. Um, and so my question to him is why, why aren't you playing more? Why aren't you getting TFLs? Why aren't you, you know, that's the initial questions. And then it's, here's how you get that done. Uh, if you do these things, this, you will be able to, you know, achieve your dreams and, and what you want. Uh, but then overall in our, again, back to competition, overall in our room, you know, you come in and, and you beat somebody out, you beat somebody out. Mm -hmm. I think uh, the hardest thing for me in the NFL was knowing that uh, I was better than someone or somebody was better than someone but wasn't playing uh, because they had a contract and, and they had, were getting paid $10 million and the other guy was paying, yeah. paying you know, league minimum. So for my room, it's open competition, man. You you go out there and you go kill it, then you're going to play because everybody in the room knows who the best players are. It's not a it's not a secret amongst the players, um, and that's you know my gift to them is if you go out and produce, then you'll get the opportunity to produce on Saturday. Yeah, like if you played someone over someone else for political reasons, and the whole room right. knew that guy wasn't better, exactly. that's going to come back on you, right? I mean, they're going to know right. like I don't trust him. Right, and so that's more common in, I mean, in a lot of places and in a lot of places that I've been. And so uh, allowing them to understand that if I do this work, if I do X, Y, and Z, and I'm, and I'm out there producing on the practice field and I'm, I'm beating a guy like Austin Jackson in practice, you know, then, yeah, you deserve the opportunity to go out there and play. Um, so, again, back to the competitive nature of football, but then the competitive nature of being in our, our defensive line room. And then this time right now, where nobody really knows what anybody's doing, but when it comes back time where we can actually get these guys on campus, we're going to compete and see who's been doing what, you know. A um, couple more for you. Sorry to let you go. Thank you. Appreciate no, your time. Uh, Connor Murphy is an interesting guy. What, you know, six, seven. Um, how do you kind of, how's he looked to you so far? And how do you envision using him uh, in the defense? Yeah, Connor's in another uh, competitive spot. You know, I really, really like his size and length. 
Um, I like his ability to get after the quarterback. Um, but I, I think we go back to what I'm looking for as a, as a defensive end. He's got everything that I'm looking for as a defensive end. Um, I think putting on more weight and being stronger at the point of attack, you know, we've talked about. Um, but if he's, let's say we're in a, a third down package, you know, and, and he's the three technique getting vertical on the guard, that is, that's a tough deal for a quarterback to see over that six, seven, you know. So um, Connor, I think, has huge upside. Um, again, it comes back to what he's going to be doing, you know, these next few weeks, these this previous month, you know, to, to set himself above everybody else. The, uh, we got another uh, YouTube question from XX, uh, Dosekis maybe? I don't know. Uh, would you rather do Dosekis now instead of Corona? Because I'm just kidding. Uh, so question for Coach, what are the expectations for defensive line this season and down the road? Be the best. You know, I think that's an expectation for everybody in, in the building. You know, you don't come to USC to be average. You don't come to USC to finish second. And uh, I did not sign up for second place. And so um, I think we have one of the most talented rooms in the country. Uh, and then allowing them to, to showcase that ability on Saturdays is my job within the defense, right? And that is the expectation is to be the best and be the best in everything. You know, I want to have the best meeting. I want to have the best, uh, best individual drill. I want to have the best, you know, performance in, in team one, team two. Uh, and the more that they adopt that mindset of, of going out and winning every day and, and winning, um, you know, the meeting, making sure they're taking the right notes, uh, winning a tutor session, right? Winning um, a presentation. Jay and uh, Brandon just had a, had a, a big presentation. I asked them, you know, do you, how'd you do them? You know, and, and Jay was like, man, we killed it. You know, Brandon came through and did this and that. And and that's the kind of mindset, you know, that I want them to have all the time. So to make it simple, the best. I want this D-line to be the best. I want this team to be the best. Uh, last couple of things, kind of on the recruiting front. It's unique right now. There's been a lot of momentum. I mean, I think you guys are doing a really good job on social media. We've seen that step up a lot but the energy it just seems like it's really high right now from the staff and from everyone that's working there can you talk about like what it's been behind the scenes like that to kind of create that energy and kind of create this buzz during a time when you know players can't visit they can't really do anything it's a, a dead period but you still are able to generate some recruiting buzz yeah i think uh, everybody does it their own way uh, but i think overall we just we just know what we have and we know what um we can get done this this season and um just allowing you know everybody to feel like we feel like i feel fired up every morning that i'm a usc trojan you know uh, i'm fired up that we get to you know hopefully play this season but i look around our room i look up and down our roster we've got a lot of guys that are really really good players and and a lot of experience coming back and so that, I mean, if that doesn't motivate you, then what, what, what does? I mean, we, we've got a roster that can do it and we believe in them. Um, and then we believe in this place. So uh, talking to recruits, it's not being fake. <laughs> it's not selling them a pipe dream. Like this thing is, we're USC and, and um, we're not selling the brand. Uh, we are using the brand 
to, to show them that this is not only USC, um, what you see in all those 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 games with Reggie Bush and, and Matt Weiner and all the Heisman Trophy winners, but come and look and see what we have now. Like, look who you're going to play with. It's it's unbelievable uh, for me if I was a recruit, just the opportunity to be at this place at this time. Um, a lot of stuff that happens in the NFL is all based on timing and um, same thing with recruiting. The timing right now for this class to come in and, and not only have a huge impact, but the pieces are all around from the quarterback, right, to, to the receivers, to the opportunity to D-line, you know, veteran secondary, inside backers that will be on their third, fourth years um, to where you come in, you're not only contributing, but you're contributing around guys that have contributed their whole career. And you don't find that often. You know, it's it's usually a lot of attrition and then you're reloading a bunch of guys um, or it's, it's young and everybody's learning on the same page. We have uh, a very layered and experienced um, roster that just fires up everybody on our staff. Cool. I got a little comment here. We're going to end it there. Uh, I want to put this YouTube <laughs> comment up because it's a good one. A compliment to you. Uh, it's pulling up here. So he said... Uh, this D-line is going to be real good with this man in charge. Uh, hard to disagree with that. So we, we do appreciate your time uh, coming on here. It. Yeah, thanks for uh, for doing this. And hope you you and your family stay safe and everything keeps working. But thanks again for uh, coming on the show. Oh, thank you. Next time, lunch. Oh, yeah. Next time, we'll do lunch. And follow him on Twitter at Coach underscore. So, Oto, wait, was, was Coach without an underscore? Was that already taken? Did someone already have that one? I don't know. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'll just pick that one. Uh, I, just, I just picked that one because I, I smushed it together and it didn't look right. So I just. Oh, it. okay. Yeah. And it's uh, so Oto, right? Like there's a little pause. Yeah. I'd say that right? Soto, With the posture. Yeah. Okay. I think Tim, yeah. uh, when he introduced you, he said Soto or something. And, and you're like, wait, <laughs> nope. Let's not do that. So is it? Yeah, there's I been a. Back, it I'm goes sorry. back to my mom. My mom. I'm on, make sure they say your name right. Like, yeah. All right, mom. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's not that hard. There's some Polynesian names, obviously, that are, can be very difficult. There's a lot, you know, that one's yeah. not too bad. So if someone says it wrong, good to correct them. All yeah. right. Uh, oh, there you got, there you got, uh, dumbbells are there. Nice. Who's yeah. that one? Who's this one? Yeah, this is Mac. Mac's our, our future three technique. Nice. All right. <laughs> hey, Mac. Well, thanks for letting your dad come on the show. And uh, thanks again for joining us. And Yeah, no worries. Thanks. Everyone out there, thank you so much for uh, tuning in to another edition of Lunch with the Trojan, and we'll, we'll talk to you next time.